0: This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is sponsored by L3Harris Technologies. When the heat is on, you go all in, and L3Harris will be right there with you. The XL Extreme 400p radio is tailor-made to meet the most rigorous fire standards. Learn more at www.l3harris.com forward slash fire. Now let's get in the show.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. Next to me is my co-captain, the editor-in-chief of Fire Rescue One, Janelle Fosquette. Hi, Janelle. Hi. And today, Janelle, today is a Mayday situation. Um, we have Andy Beck with us, who is going to talk to us about uh, Maydays and performance under pressure. How you doing, Andy? Welcome. Thanks, guys. I'm
2: awesome. Excited to be here.
1: Well, Andy, you are uh, you're a firefighter EMT, you're a shift training officer. You work with Man- Mandan City Fire in, in North, yep. North Dakota. Um, yeah. You're also a live burn instructor. You've, you've, you teach thermal imaging, fire dynamics. Uh, your background is actually in crew, crew resource management. Um, you've completed a lot of research on how people and organizations operate under stressful environments, which we'll talk about today. You've served as a staff member on the near-miss reporting system. We'll we'll, uh, uh, talk about that. I got some good questions there. Uh, You just recently wrote an article for Fire Rescue one on practice makes automatic, and that's part of our special feature, special coverage on Mayday Training, and that is now live on, I think it's firerescue1.com, Mayday Training Evolution. Um, We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, But I'm excited to talk to you about this because, you know, we were talking off-camera and off, uh, before the podcast about, you know, a lot of us think, Hey, if I'm put in that situation, I think I would be able to do. Okay. And what what is your research showed? Like, I mean, this is a lot of the stuff you've, you've devoted a lot of your career to, you know, maydays and performing under pressure. And, you know, so I guess let's talk about mayday training and, and why it's so imperative. What, what are the imperative parts of mayday training?
2: Well, I think, I think the biggest thing that we need to realize about ourselves is that we're all really optimistic, biased for action people. And so left to our own devices, we think we're probably more capable than we are in those situations. But the, the important thing to understand is that when, when, when we hit a point physiologically above a certain level of heart rate, we're going to lose the ability to do rational thought. We lose the ability to have fine motor skills. And so, and, and that's a physiological fact. I could put somebody on a treadmill where they don't even have fear or anxiety. And if I get them to a certain point, they're going to see their performance degrade. Now, if they're fearing death and they're in the most stressful situation they've ever been in on the fire ground. To just think that we're going to be able to figure out a way to get out of that is optimistic at best, because we're not. You're physically not able to think in those ways at that point. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to go back to your instincts and you're going to go back to motor pathways that you've built and, and you're going to just react. And so if we haven't done a good job of building those blocks for you to use, they're not going to be there.
1: Yeah. The pathways that we hope that we've built, right. right? Not under pressure, right. which is why, you know, when we talk about, you know, a lot of departments will do mayday training, but you have to make sure that that becomes, uh, that practice almost
2: becomes mastery. Right. Yeah. And you see and, that a lot. Like, we're we're busy enough on on a lot of agencies or 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 maybe not busy enough but we we have a small enough amount of time dedicated to training that a lot of times we're we're working with people until they can do the skill and then we move on so when we crosswalk over to like other high reliability organizations or groups that do really really risky things a a good analogy to the fire service is like carrier operations in the navy when you're doing training for those jobs in that dangerous environment, you're doing them until you can't screw them up anymore. Yeah, And so, and that's a, that's a different threshold to work to. And sometimes we're spending just enough time to get where, where we can perform the task and then we have to move on because we have other things that are dictating for our time, but. Um,
0: Checking the box. essentially. Well, I,
2: yeah. And I, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just, it's the reality of it. You know, there, there isn't very many fire departments in the country that have all day, every day to just do nothing but train. Yeah, you know, we've got other things we have to do other than even calls. I mean, we've got inspections and public education and, and there isn't any one of those things that aren't important. So you have to have that balance. But what we find is sometimes two things can happen. One, we haven't spent time training to a level where that becomes automatic for those skills and we haven't really ever established a system in our departments so that we, we have an expectation of what would happen. Mm-hmm. So we're all trained to the same goal. Or the other thing that happens is we made the evolution too difficult and we had people fail by pulling off gloves, ripping a mask off and panic. And once you've done that, you've built that motor pathway. That's just how it works. And and if you've only done it once, it's, it's not a very defined pathway, but it's there. And it's so a, it's a start, right? Like it's a start. Yep. And so yeah. you can't say for sure that the person's not going to do that in, in a real situation though. And that's tough. And we see it a lot where. There isn't really a huge focus on May Day, and there hasn't been a ton of thought into it. We're just going to go through the motions of let's hit, put people in a prop and have them go through the prop, and we're, we're probably not realizing quite the level of of uh, monitoring that we need to do as a training officer. And we get people that all of a sudden panic and they pull a mask off or something, and then you know when we see when we see these things happen in the fireground, I think sometimes you got to look back at how they did their training and we may have accidentally programmed that in.
0: Well, yeah, that's really fascinating because how do you find that balance? So you don't make it so hard that you're creating those pathways for something really dangerous.
2: Well, I think, I think the key is so like, like we talked about in the article, one of the first things you have to do is you have to decide like, like any good training is start with the plan. Where are you going? You know, you want to you want to prepare people to be able to react in in a mayday situation when they aren't able to extricate themselves from a fire. So the next step is, well, what is your policy for that or what's the expectation? What do you want guys to do? What, What are the guys and girls on the on the on the trucks and the engines supposed to do? Now that you have that standard, you train to it. But the key for answering your question, Janelle, is as you train to that standard, it's really important to use that crawl, walk, run. And everybody looks at it as like, if we make this too easy, then we're, we're not going to get these people ready for, we got to get them ready for, to react in, you know, in, in the shit, in the worst situation they've ever going to be in. But I mean, Aaron would second me. You can't take somebody into a gym and expect them to do a split snatch with like the maximum amount of weight that they're going to do the first time. And by starting with just a PVC pipe and moving. All the way over to where they're going to do a personal record you aren't making it too easy you're slowly building a base of skills and so i think two things can happen one we try to push it too far right away and we're testing and versus versus training the other part of it is i think sometimes we have people going through a prop and we're not watching them enough to be able to stop them before they get to that point point. and the key is as that person's going through if they're not comfortable they haven't mastered that in that panic setting and you've got to stop the evolution, put hands on them and tell them, hey, take a deep breath and calm down. You're in the fire station. You're not going to die. Like, yep. Relax. Let's start over, you know, whether whether it's an entanglement prop or whatever it is. But I think one of the issues that we see is people want to make it so real. And you can get there where they're blacked out and, they're, and there's noise and, and you're in a hot environment and everything, but you can't start there.
1: And and looking just t- taking kind of what you've already told us, let's let's put it in the context of a morning checks, for instance, on your SCBA, right? Um, I, we just had a, gr- a a great training where we just did some um, uh, SCBA kind of operations where we took them through a little competency course. Yep. And it was really interesting. Just we we were doing this mayday situation, and and we would we would kind of take someone out of the uh, of line and and have them call mayday and one of the first things that i i saw right away were people were having difficulties just just engaging their pass alarm and, yeah. and
0: yeah.
1: as we we as a crew started talking about this in the morning checks a lot of people say well i i engage it every morning but they're looking at the pack right the pack's not on them where and and what you're saying is when that heart rate gets high yeah you go back to you're thinking that the pass alarm is in front of you when in a- actuality it's on your right-hand side where, and, right. and hit it, finding where that button is. And so even with that morning check, you're saying, hey, take an extra 30 seconds, put the pack on, and do it that way. Because when when, when it gets going and when your heart rate is up and when you can't right. think, that's what your reactions are. And put your glove on when you do it even, right. correct?
2: Yes, Yeah, and when you're doing a survival course, make people set their pass alarms off when they're laying on them. You know, make people do it with their opposite hand or whatever. And we, and it's funny because we've we've run that same type of drill. And I'll ask guys, you know, tell me two different ways to set your pass alarm off. And they'll say, well, I you know push and hold the button, and I can do it with the pack off, and they rattle all that off. They're like, what's the other way? They're like, well, I don't know. There isn't another way. And I'm like, hey, you lay still. Don't move. 30 seconds. Oh yeah. I never thought it. So like, but, but unless you haven't practiced that, like, I mean, I I probably wouldn't have thought of that either in that situation. And what are we all doing? We're, we're, we're thrashing around because our survival instinct is kicking in and we're working really hard to try to fix the situation because we're all biased for action and optimistic people. You know, I, I think in a lot of ways, when, when you hear those stats about how People aren't calling a mayday and and we always have attributed it to they're so they're so focused on, 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 on winning and they're paying attention to to trying to get themselves out and we got to change that mindset. I think for a lot of them, the reason why they're still struggling to try to get out and they didn't call a mayday was simple. It's because they never practiced doing it. Yeah. If you, if right. you don't have that card, if you don't have that slide there, you're not just going to invent it in that situation. So I, I think maybe across the fire service, it's been less of a, they aren't thinking of it because we didn't do the training right. And more of a, they never practiced that in that type of a situation. So they don't even, it's not even on their radar to even think about.
1: Yeah. So even just going through calling a Mayday and and I think in your, in one of your articles, you you mentioned, Hey, all right, here's some examples of it because yep. we're horrible at admitting that we want help on many levels, especially on a Mayday situation. And so one of the things uh, that you encourage, and I, I love this is that, Hey, Let's read other situations and, and you can even go to the old YouTube and say, Hey, what about you? If you're, you're caught in this, what are you, you going to call a mayday? Yeah. What does that right. sound like? So a identifying, um, you know, when to call a mayday, we talked about just the fine motor skills. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. You know, physiologically what's, um, you know, what's going on to us as, um, uh, as, you know, as, as let's say stuff is getting bad, Right. It's getting hot uh, or, you know, there's always that moment probably where a lot of us think we should, you know, and then, but what happens physiologically
2: during those times? So when our stress level rises or, or our heart rate goes up or both of them, we're going to hit a point where we start dumping so many stress hormones and we go into that full blown fight or flight. Your body's really good at not using what it doesn't need to use at that point. And so you're gonna to start to shut things down that aren't necessary. And what's really necessary for you to stay alive is to be able to fight and breathe and have your heartbeat. And so your, your thought process in your brain is gonna to start to shut down, down to, that, down to that, really those lower functions. So we're not gonna be able to think through things. At a certain level of stress and heart rate, we're gonna start seeing sensory exclusion. It's different for everybody, but for most people, it starts with their field of vision starting to narrow. That's when we talk about tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you have conversations with law enforcement officers that were in use of force incidents where they had to use lethal force. A lot of them will talk about how they didn't notice anything beside them. We, one of the next stresses we get is we get auditory exclusion and, and, you know, we've heard about incident commanders in the middle of like a really stressful situation and somebody was calling them on the radio. Somebody has to like elbow them and be like, chief, they're calling you. You know, we start dumping those other sensory things off cause we don't need them and, and we just continue to do that till we get down to the point where the only thing we're, we're doing is preparing to fight and we're, we're feeding the, we're feeding the brain, hearts racing, we're breathing deep and we're losing everything else. And so when we get in those situations, if we've done training in a situation like you're in, those slides are going to be there. And we, you know, you can get really into the science of recognition, prime decision-making and everything, but basically, When you get to that point, your brain does a good job of looking to see if it's ever been in that situation before. And if it has, it runs a quick simulation. Did it work last time? Yeah, it worked. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that's where people are like, all of a sudden, I just it popped into my head what to do and I knew that there was a window over there and I went for the window and I got out. But if we've only done Mayday training sitting in a kitchen table and we've never put gear on, we've never went out and got hot and uncomfortable We've never had guys do push-ups and crawl through a prop and do some more push-ups until their air bottle's low and the bell's ringing or their Vibra Alert's going, and then we have them stop and try to call the Mayday and set a pass alarm off. If we've never done that and worked them slowly to get to the point where they can be successful doing that, they're not going to figure it out in the middle of, of an actual situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's so interesting what you mentioned about the overconfidence, To like, There's a, a line in your article that I really liked that says, remember when we are stuck, fall, or disoriented in the fire environment, we are general generally unaware of how stuck or lost we right. are and or the distance of our fall. It's like right. our perspective becomes warped, yeah. you know, and when we're in high stress situations. And, you know, just being able to think through those moments and think logically is out the window in a yeah. way, which is like why you know, it's ultimately called this practice makes automatic. So right. your brain is just right there. I, I was thinking about a webinar we had last year where one of our panelists was detailing his Mayday experience. And I thought it was just such a genius example because he fell into a basement. He's trying to leave. He discovers that he's right next to some stairs and he goes up the stairs and then says he hits a wall. And he's just like, who would put a wall at the top of stairs? It was a door. Right. Of course, it's a door. Yeah. But his brain is not operating in this way that it's normally operating. Couldn't comprehend it. Right. And it's just it was such a good example of just how how crazy things can get in in a firefighter's mind in that moment.
2: For sure. And when we look at you look at like situations where people did firefighter rescues and you know or or even you know where somebody went in and made a grab and pulled somebody out they never go as well as we think they're going to oh god no it's god. a mess you know it's an it, some of those you know i think there's the there's the one serious accident report out of San Francisco you know there was a lot of fire dynamics involved it was that that two story house where it auto extended on the back side <laughs> you know, the, the crew that pulled the one guy out, like they're pulling him through the garage and his mask, his air hose for his mask gets stuck into the tire of the car and holds him up and pulls his mask, you know, like all those things happen like that. Yeah. So we know, we know that's gonna happen. And, and we talk about it a lot, at least on our crew, that once we get to the scene, we don't control anything on the scene. Yeah. We don't control anything on the way to the scene. The only thing we can control is what we do to get ready. And, and our training and and, and how, how our system is, as far as how we bunker up in the truck, the things we do when we get there, our expected actions, how good we are at deploying hoses to the door, remembering to take tools, whatever our system is. But you don't control anything. You don't control the traffic. You don't control the route to the fire. You don't control anything that happens on scene. That, all we can do is react to. And so th- the better prepared we are to be able to handle a situation, because, yeah, if you're going to think your way through, you're going to come up to the door and it's going to be a wall.
1: Yeah. Do you have any uh, techniques that you give uh, any of your students or maybe you use, you know, uh, personally, I, I've i been really focusing on just taking a couple deep breaths as we're going yeah. on scene. Um, you know, once you get in your gear, uh, I, I mean, what kind yep. of things do you recommend for for, for those listening? Like, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I do get hyped up. What What's something I could do immediately to help change that?
2: I I think, well, first of all, and this has applications like in the, in the management realm, you know, dealing with employees and not getting Mm -hmm. upset. And then it has, you know, obviously in the emergency services on a call too, but yeah, I think breathing is huge. And we just had a, we just had a, uh, a class the other day we were doing with some of our new guys and this came up and I told them, I said, you know, the, the two that I've, that I've seen work really well for people is the two breaths in and one breath out. You know, and that's a good air conservation technique. You know, you take a breath in, pause. When you feel like you need more air, you take an additional breath in, pause, exhale all of it out, and start over. Um, That one works really well for air conservation. The other one is box breathing. You know, just think of like a four-sided box. Take a breath in, pause when you go down, breathe out, pause when you go up. And it gives you something to focus on. And it's funny because on our shift, one of the guys that, that I work with all the time, I make fun of him for it all the time because we talk about this and I use him for it as an example and he swears he doesn't do it. But if it uh, sounds like a significant EMS call or heading to a fire, he will on every single call once he's either ready to go or, or if it's a fire, once he's bunkered up, he always goes <sighs> and claps his hands together. And that's like his way of unconsciously just calming himself. Then mm-hmm. it works. Like you'll it's just awesome. see him just level out. Then he's ready to go, you know.
1: There's actually, there's a, um, heart rate variability training. There's some apps out there that I, um, you know, if someone's, you go like, what is he talking about? He don't really doesn't bring up smart things like that. But, uh, yeah, actually (laughs) HR, um, HRT or heart rate variability, there's, it's, I have this app, it's like this, this circle and it, it glows as as it wants you to breathe in and then it holds and then it goes out and, and honestly, five breaths, four breaths, whatever, you know, just just focusing on that makes a huge difference in uh for me it's how i speak on the radio uh, it slows me down and uh, you know and that's one thing that that it goes along with the box breathing and it goes along with the the two um two in and, and and one out um you know i think they're all very very good tools and it's it's uh, interesting that uh, you know even doing that without air or, or even when we're dealing with other issues it it can help uh, oh, yeah. tremendously um No
2: and it's funny cuz like i got a a buddy of mine who teaches for a company and i do some work with them doing like high reliability organizations performing under stress and he's a military guy and he always jokes that he's like i mean this is it's yoga breathing it's been around for thousands of years but he said <laughs> yeah but he said you know you can have a yoga breathing class and you won't get you know military special forces guys or firefighters to show up but if you call it tactical breathing they all sign oh, up yeah. for the class oh yeah yeah you got a waiting a list on that
1: yeah <laughs> You know and it's interesting uh, working with athletes uh, back in the day we uh w- one of our college classes i we had to study um uh, there's a there's a particular sprinter in California who would run 100 meters and after every race he would pass out and it, it, he was setting records and it was unbelievable nobody could figure out physiologically what was going on with him uh and then finally someone watched the video and said hey he's not breathing at all through the race and high stressful situations we all act Differently, in some cases, and I've noticed that with with sometimes in people in exercise, they get amped up, and or, or they focus so much they stop breathing. Yeah, uh, and and that can happen. You could see that too on the fire scene where people get so amped up yep. that they forget to breathe. Now you're on SCBA, and now you're behind the eight ball. So really, yeah. you know, uh, along with some of the takeaways we've already talked about, is you know change the way you do your morning checks just to make it more um, mm-hmm. to, to simulate game time. And then also focus on breathing in, in yeah. everything you do. Um, I think it can really make a, a, a huge impact. And and you mentioned one thing too about having trainings about when to call Maydays. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that in your experience and in your research, what are some of the best, um, I shouldn't say best because those aren't good situations, but what are the s- situations that, that you recommend
2: or that you like to use as examples? So we always want to, I, Bert Clark did a bunch of really good work on this from the National Fire Academy back in the day, and I think it's important. To, you you have to have trigger points, and the military does this a lot with um, trigger points. Are good in general, but I think when you're when you're looking at something like this, you have to have trigger points established ahead of time. And when um, Dr. Clark looked at it with uh, Navy and Air Force and Marine Corps pilots, they have ejection parameters, and so okay. to try to narrow it down and and force that you know, you need to pull the handles when this happens. It's their if then statements. If this situation happens, you're below so many thousand feet and the aircraft is out of control, then eject. And so to walk those over to fire, the, the ones that we always talked about are if you're stuck, then call a mayday. If you have a fall of any distance, then call a mayday like Janelle brought up. You don't know how far you fell. So Stuck, fall, if you're lost and you can't immediately regain orientation or the hose line, call a mayday. And if your low air alarm sounds, call a mayday. Because we know enough now that we should be using a point of no return where we're beginning to leave where we are in the fire at about our 50% in our cylinder. So if we're getting down to where our low air alert is going off, um, we don't have enough left possibly to get out. So any of those situations, so stuck, lost, fall of any distance or a low air alert, you'd want to call a mayday. And best case scenario, you figure your way out and you can cancel it. And or if you can can bump heads with the RIT team on the way out, that's a good day. But at least you had help coming, you know.
1: Exactly. I think probably the hardest one is when you're lost to really think about, you know, am I really lost? And if you have to ask that question, you probably are, right? So call it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worst case scenario, you said you hit, hit heads with a team. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if, but at the same time, you know, those are great trigger points, but they're not the only ones, you know, we won't, we, I assume we don't want people to think like, okay, well, I'm in this terrible situation, but it doesn't match any of the four. So I guess (laughs) I, I shouldn't call. I mean, if your gut is telling you to call, call.
2: Yep. Yeah. Cause it's like, we, you know, we look at, It's always been interesting because you look at how people think about responding to an incident, right? People will say, go ugly early. Like, I want more resources than I think I need. I can turn them around. Mm -hmm. But then we get to a mayday situation and then, you know, we're reluctant. So it's the same theory. Let's throw everything we can at it to solve the problem. And if if we don't need that, that's fine. But we're better off that we know that that person's in trouble and we can send resources their direction. Then by the time they finally call out, it's a situation that's almost... Not solvable anymore, you know. And yeah. we we have to realize that we're we're also gonna have to practice this to the point where people have been uncomfortable before and then done it. Because if we haven't gotten them to the point where they are sweaty and they're bunkered up and, and they're doing work and they're stuck and they're getting frustrated to remember to do it, that's the situation we want them in when we do training. But again, we got to slowly get to there. You can't just put them in that the first day. But we want to get people to the point where they're in a situation that mimics as much as possible what that situation will be like in an actual situation where they have to call mayday.
0: When safety is top priority, you need more than a radio. Meet the XL Extreme 400P tailor-made to meet the most rigorous fire standards. This radio withstands blasts of heat up to 1,700 degrees and repeated three-meter drops. Built with material from both their space division and their tactical comms this is one tough radio you're going to need schedule your demo today visit www.l3harris.com forward slash contact us
1: yeah let's talk about that you you're reading my mind here practice makes automatic and i and i almost i almost want to say perfect practice makes automatic yeah right correct in right. this case um i think that was actually a lombardi line something yeah. similar to that but um so let's get a Wisconsin take, quote. I'm proud of you. It's a great Wisconsin
0: quote. Yeah, yes. right. We
1: got to get them in where we can, you know, there's not many, well,
0: there's a lot, but there's a, few. Usually, a ton. <laughs> uh, they're not
1: usually motivational though, you know? So, yeah, true. Uh, but when you talk about, you got your, your, your recruit. And, and I think you touched on this, like, Hey, we're just going to teach them the basics of what the SCBA are, what they're, yep. what they can do. Um, but, but take me through it. You got to recruit to first year, third year, five, like, how would you, uh, recommend people starting to get someone from that it's almost like getting them to crawl to to run and it's a it's like a theory practice mastery almost in yeah a way, correct
2: well and i think the i think the key is like you 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 titrate the amount of stress in the scenario to how experienced and able they are to soak it up so if i have a person who's barely spent any time like we had two guys that are going through the academy that stopped at the station the other day they wanted to do a little bit of extra training and one of them was like i'm using up so much air what do i do And he was kind of looking for some magic bullet. And I was like, well, there's I said cardio is going to play a role. But I said, honestly, right now, you're just so anxious in that environment because it's so foreign to you that I said, you just need to calm down and just get used to it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what do I do? And I said, wear an air pack more like you're just going to have to spend more time in that environment. So like for somebody like that. To have him practice calling a mayday, I could pretty much just put him in his gear and probably have him crawl around on the floor for five minutes and then go through the thing. And he would have enough of a stress level that that's all he would need. Where, you know, if I took some of the, you know, some of the folks on our department that have been around for a long time and are really experienced, they're going to have to be in a full-blown prop. And they've probably been in that prop before. So even them just going through that entanglement prop probably isn't going to be enough to really get them worked up. We're probably going to have to put them in an entanglement prop and when they come out of it, turn them around a little bit, have their vision degraded, you know, put them in a building where we've got it super hot with a heater or something. And we're going to have to create stress that way because those guys and gals are going to be used to that environment. But we want to make sure we get them to the point where they're uncomfortable and they're struggling a little bit without getting to the point where they completely fall apart, panic to start pulling gloves and ripping masks off and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: because then you got to go backwards. Yes, and go back to that fundamental, and and you you mentioned too. Sometimes we try to get a little too fancy before that person, a particular yeah. person's ready, and and so you just build a solid foundation, you know. And it, even like I was saying, I, and I I I go back to that SCBA because I just saw firsthand how uh you know how easy it is to say, all right, yeah, I know how to I know how to 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 um you know operate and activate my SCBA, right. my my pass alarm. Yeah, you do. But when it's sitting on a, on a chair in front of you or a bench in front of you, as opposed to being on, you know, so fine tuning, maybe trainings and fine tuning what we do every day can go
2: a long way into helping us through the May Day. Um, and you, one of the you'd first mentioned- times I really realized that was um, I worked in wildland fire for a long time and lived in a national park for a while. And one of the law enforcement rangers was, you know, he's watching a baseball game. He called and he's like, hey, you want to come over and watch a game and have a beer? And he's standing in his living room watching the game. And he's got his duty belt on and he's drawing his sidearm and putting it back, drawing his sidearm and I go, dude, what are you doing? And he goes, well, we just got new holsters. And there was a specific sequence to pull it out to get it out of the holster. And he's like, they had been told you guys need to unholster and holster like 100 times to build that new motor pathway, to have that be automatic. So in a bad situation, you're not thinking your way through it. So it's the same thing as like, you know, put your gloves on and set that pass device off a few times. You know, some training when you're doing a live burn and you come out. You know, if there's a spot when everybody's done and it's not going to raise an alarm, you know, guys are all sweated up. Hey, why don't you guys all hit your pass alarms off and then practice resetting them? You know, go through one of those situations because then they're in a they're in a more realistic situation than they would be. Like you say, sitting in a t-shirt and EMS pants with your boots on, you know, in a climate controlled environment inside of the truck at 8:30 in the morning with your coffee mug in one hand, you know, checking packs.
1: Right. Telling stories. Shooting right. The, for sure. Shooting the breeze, That's the best part you know? of the day, but. Right. Right. I do want to say you guys watch football a little differently there in North Dakota than most, but you know, with the, the pistol thing, but uh yeah I, yeah, I, I, I get the point though. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, again, you, there's a theory, then you practice it and you practice yeah. it until you, uh, and I think we had, had mentioned this earlier, you practice it till you can't get it wrong. Not, right. not so you get it right. You practice it so you can't get it wrong. And, and I, we were talking before the podcast and you think that's where a lot of people kind of
2: take the wrong approach to Mayday training, correct? Like we, yeah. And I don't, and, and, and I mean, it's, I think it's just the reality of the situation. You know, you don't, we don't have the ability maybe sometimes to dedicate as much time to it. I I don't think it's because anybody is by and large isn't because they don't take it seriously. Yeah. It's, it's a resource thing. You know, we just don't have the time to spend. On building that foundation. Cause like when you look at like training athletes, they always talk about like the performance pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. If that base isn't built correctly, that person will be able to increase their performance. But at some point, it might topple because you you have those bad habits and you haven't built that really good base. So by building that base, then they can continue to perform up to the peak of it. But if you don't have that good base, you're going to limit yourself at some point. And so I think sometimes like we've got other demands in our time and other demands for training and things we've got to go do. And, and maybe we didn't spend enough time on Mayday training and operating in that environment. And so we don't have that base. So then when we get tested, we necessarily aren't to where we want to be or where we think we are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the big thing is just don't cut corners on it. And, you know, and, and you had mentioned too, like, know what your policy is because every, every department runs them a little bit differently. Some say lunar, some say who, what, where you can, Um, yeah. Yep. Yep, and and so make sure you understand that uh, part of it. You had mentioned props, though. What are some What are some of the props that you guys use to help uh, so kind of si- simulate this?
2: One of the props we use is just, um, and I and I honestly don't really know where it came from, but it's it's three stud walls that are like three stud bays wide by about four foot tall, and those are like three in a row, and then there's side braces on them. So you're able to crawl through and people can either, you know, go backwards through them or they can you know, rotate sideways through it, they can crawl through and then you can put different entanglements through and you you just make them crawl through, you know, whether they're crawling through sideways or they're going through the stud walls and what it does is it just gives them a task to do. And then while they're doing that, at some point, if they get stuck and they can't make it through something. or you can start them with a bottle that doesn't have as much air in it. So they hit their point where they have a low air alarm. And then you can have them where they, we've got a prop where they go up some steps and then there's, there's like the two trap doors and there's the rope. And there's a bunch of foam blocks inside there. So they crawl up and then you, once they get all the way out there, you pull the rope. And that one's fun because the people that have been there before. When they start going up the stairs, they know it's coming, and so then they, they push and they can feel it. And then you got to try to entice them out there and pull the rope. But um, and then, but we always try to make sure that at some point through whatever course you set up, they all are going to hit a parameter. And so, for some of the people that are really good, you know, it's as simple as just making sure you have like a a, a rubber strap. And at some point, you just hook an SCBA and just tug on them. And make them keep going and the dudes are strong and the girls are strong and they're trying to you know strong like bull try to go through and you just keep pulling back and you finally just ask them are you are you getting anywhere no i think i'm stuck okay what are we supposed to do and so even though you coached them into calling it like they're still in their gear they still were crawling through something had that stimulus and they still call it. it that it works but like the temptation i think is that we see a situation like that or or we don't have them blacked out and we're like well this is too easy you don't have to make it impossible we just have to reinforce those scenarios I mean the Navy doesn't take guys out in an actual plane that's on fire going down and hasn't practiced ejections like you don't have to do that (laughs) right so we don't need to have it at that panic level every single time where we've got people losing their minds and and building bad habits we just have to put people in the correct environment have that same stimulus and keep repeating it that's all it takes and, and then what what's your comment to the, those who'll say, well, this will never happen.
1: Like, this is so unrealistic. You know, I why mean, do I need to go through this?
2: How, how many things happen every day in our job that no one would ever thought would what, exactly. what happen? You know what right. I mean? I mean, that that's why we're here. And like, and and I hope it never does. I've never called a media. I'm 17 years into this, and I haven't. I hope I never do. But, you know, if we get ready for, I mean, the argument could be made if you run EMS calls, why in the world do you have a, a OB kit then? I mean, how many yeah. people are actually going to deliver a baby pre-hospital? Not, not help, not help somebody from an ambulance physically going to be, you're the only person there. And it's a, like the odds of that are pretty small too, but we do routine training in that. And we carry all the equipment for it because we have to be ready for it. We have to be prepared for that. You just yeah. don't
1: know, you know, especially in this, in our environment now is, I think is more, more unpredictable than ever. I mean, you yeah. read, you read, I mean, not only do we have to be prepared for uh, now, we have lithium-ion battery fires, and right. we have now we have you know uh, a lot of issues with uh, you know violence and uh, yeah. mental health, and 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 you know our environment is so unpredictable. For you know, sure, which is which is why I think a lot of the key things we talked about don't just transfer to made it; they transfer to to being performing better uh, in, in general
2: on the on, on our job, right? Well, and you know if you spend a whole bunch of time. Preparing for Maydays. At the same time you're doing it, you're spending time in an air pack. You know, you put your gear on. And, and if, you know, maybe you got everybody in a circle and had a race when we bunkered up. You know, we we put, we donned a pack. We went through the procedures of going on air. You know, we got done, we secured our pack, we put it away, you know, we filled bottles, we moved as a crew, we communicated, we had to set off pass devices. We probably did some radio work. These are all things that we do every day. So like by taking that person and putting them in that situation, maybe they never have a mayday, but maybe the fact that you just did all that radio work, they got more comfortable on their radio with their gloves on with an SCBA. And when something else happened, they were better able to communicate and you could hear them better. And, and it was because you did this. So none, none of these skills are ever in a vacuum. Like you said, Aaron, you know, we're, we're doing, we're doing work that we do on a call. And so I think anytime you can take those building blocks and, you know, you stick all the Legos together. So it looks like a model of a Mayday training. They're still the same Lego blocks that we would do for doing fire ground survival or anything else. Yep. Yeah. It tra- it's, it's such a, an easy
1: transfer. And, you know, we just yeah. ran our SCBA drills I was talking about earlier, and it was really f- fun for me to step back as a, as a training officer and watch people reluctant, like, oh, this is the last thing I want to do today right. to go through a 15 minute course, and, uh, we, we got this cool, uh, smoke machine now, you know, it's the drama smoke that actually is really, really cool because it does, it's getting closer to mimicking. You really can't see anything, even though if you use your lights and this was like a new prop for us. And we, we sent everybody in and, and, and when they came out, you know, 15 to 20 minutes later, they all have these big grins on their faces. They're like, yeah oh, absolutely. it's great to, it's great to do that. I, I, you know, and, that, and it was, uh, it was very rewarding. And I'm sure you feel that every time, you know, you see the face going in versus that face going out and you go, this is a great training for us to do. Um, Well, and I always
2: joke with guys. I mean, even we've even done just tool trainings where like, you know, one of the trainings for the month will be just go, you know, they'll have an assigned piece of equipment off the truck. We'll get it off, talk through how we use it, you know, where it came from. And I tell guys all the time, the fact that you're pulling that fan or whatever it is off the truck, isn't the point of it. The point of it is that after you've talked through how you set this ladder or whatever, if people are experienced, it probably takes five minutes. But then somebody goes, hey, you know what I saw one time? And they start talking about a story that happened, how it was used correctly or incorrectly. And then 15, 20 minutes later, you've covered all these scenarios that center around whatever it was that you got off the truck. I joke all the time. I'm like, all that is is a prop to get everybody talking. Yeah, And I said, yeah. then that's, that's actually the training. And like our job is... Like telling stories is how we like how we learn essentially more than more than any other job when we look at we look at our environment we work in it's an experiential job and any experiential job um, tradition and everything is passed through stories. And so the ability to get people out hands on doing a training, the stories that they tell about how that relates to something that actually happened that's probably where the learning happens more. Than it sometimes it does even going through the hands on training.
1: And speaking of that, I, I got one more question for you about uh, we were going to talk about the near miss reporting. Yeah, what's 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 the one story about a Mayday that you read and went, This is like a perfect
2: scenario to teach from? Do you have one in mind? Um, I so there probably one of the coolest ones that we ever had was um it was on a live burn, and it was a department where they had a recruit going, and he didn't have his um, he didn't have his SCBA completely secured. He wasn't used to how to secure it, and um, ended up breathing a bunch of smoke and kind of panicked. And then um, they got the guy. I mean, it, obviously not an issue. Um, controlled environment ended up being fine. No smoke inhalation problems or anything. Treated and released. But what was interesting is we got a cluster of five reports, and so we got a report from the recruit. We got a report from his company officer. We got a report from the live burn instructor that was with them. We got a report from the guy coordinating the live burn that day and from the chief of training. So what was interesting was to see how this somewhat minor incident not only rippled through that department, but how everybody saw a different side of it and how it impacted them. Like the upper levels, were looking at it as like, we need to review how we're training these guys. We need to review how How we're monitoring things the live burn instructor was looking at it from the standpoint of like do we need to change how we do go no checks so it went from very strategic all the way down to tactical and when you read the recruit he was like i should have paid more attention you know i should have double checked that i knew better and everything else but it was interesting because they all got something different they took a different take of it and so by sharing that story though whatever level you're at like you look at that one incident there's all these lessons that came from just that one single thing you know, that 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 chief of training could have went and done a seminar on you know how close are we to having our training program fall apart? You know, we yeah. think we have this incredible thing built. The recruit could do a class for other recruits about like pay attention to every single thing somebody's teaching you because it all matters. Don't don't blow any of it off, you know. So it was that that's the one working in the program as long as I did that always stuck out in my mind. Yeah.
1: So you almost saw on every single level, each of them kind of went back to what do we need to do to, to, to kind of tighten up right like right. what you know the recruit, I need to pay more attention on how to click that in. yep, the instructor was we need to make sure we place emphasis on certain things. Yep. you know uh, and then it, it, Body it checks it's, and all that. yeah yeah, yeah and, and hopefully departments don't have to go through that. They can listen to this podcast right. and then go back and have a conversation and say, hey what do you think like could that happen here and let's let's look up and let's let's look up through the chain. And, and what is our policy? Right. Um, uh, and, and let's encourage our people to start making their morning checks more realistic. Right. Like, like um, uh, and this is awesome stuff, brother. Appreciate all this. We, um, we, at the end of every podcast, after we, 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 I shouldn't say abuse and use you, we get what we need out of you. We like <laughs> to dig in a little bit more and, and have a little bit of fun and do something called the hot seat questions. And these are questions, um, uh, that sometimes come from our listeners uh, Janelle's mom and my mom are our two favorite listeners. So they have questions sometimes that we throw in there. So, uh, we're going to put you in the hot seat. Janelle's going to start us off, man. This is great. Appreciate everything. This is, uh, this is really valuable stuff for, for, uh, anybody listening.
0: All right, Andy. Well, you have offered us some great advice today. So I would like to know who you call when you need advice. Do you have a go-to person?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a guy, uh, that works for a company called Mission-Centered Solutions. Um, Mark Smith is his name, and they do consulting for like high reliability organizations. And he's always been a really good mentor. So whether it's anything along like the lines of doing what I do or, uh, or just personally and like professionally, I, I call him a lot. He's one of those people that's really good at not just giving you advice, but making you realize like politely where you screwed up. <laughs> and he'll ask a couple questions and you'll be like, crap. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. he likes to put the mirror up and just go, here yeah. you go, take a look. One, yes, 100 yeah. percent
0: Yeah, we've all been there.
1: Those are, uh, yeah, those Janelle are does that moments. to
2: me every day. Oh no, you know.
1: no. Yeah. Uh and actually let's let's piggyback on that one. So looking at in a mirror, what's the biggest um where what are you trying to improve on every shift? Like what's your major focus right now? I, I
2: think the biggest thing is like and my job outside of the fire department is I work at a ski area and I lead all the outside operations. And I think one of the big things is learning to listen more. Um, I'm a, I'm like type a super outgoing. And what I've learned, like the last probably four or five years is like how different I communicate than people that are like introverts are and how easily those people can just get run over, like in the fire service. And whether that's, teaching that from the standpoint of like an after action review and how we structure those so everybody has a second to be able to say what they wanna say. Or just, I mean, I've have got examples from this ski area where we'll be at a meeting and there's somebody, I i know one of our folks, like he needs like a 10 second pause. And so we'll get done and I'll just literally be like, so so what else? And you have to wait like that. It's probably like two seconds, but it feels like four hours to me. Right, And then he'll be like, yeah, I was going to, and it's unbelievable. And I know that like, he won't even bring that up unless he has that moment. And so like, I think that's when I even read the book, there's a book called quiet and it's all about that. Um, But yeah, just learning that other people don't communicate like loud and super fast like me, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Super important. Right. Janelle, Janelle can relate to that one a little bit.
0: All right, let's uh, let's shift it up just a little bit here. Have a have a little fun. I want to know your two desert island movies,
2: Ooh. one
0: being a fire service movie, and one a non fire
2: service movie. Um, non fire service, probably one of the last two Star Wars movies. I've always been a fan of that, and I think, um, yeah either one of the last two. And then fire service, I think, I think probably ladder 49, cause that's like kind of, I think that's my generation of backdraft. Cause like backdraft was like, you know, a little bit before me, but ladder 49 was sort of like, they rinse and repeat for people that were my age, so. <laughs> They'll probably ones. just
1: re, re, the next generation. They'll redo backdraft with different actors. hundred percent. Like, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Kevin Hart and the rock or whatever. I don't even know right. who, it, who it would be <laughs> nowadays. Um, all right. One more final question on the hot seat. What's your favorite thing about the fire service?
2: I think my favorite thing about the fire service is that you never have to grow up. I tell people that all the time. I'm <laughs> like, we we've come back from calls at like three in the morning and somebody would be like, rip your floats. God, it's a brilliant <laughs> idea. We should. So you're, you know, make it rip your floats at three in the morning. And then when you come in in the morning, the next shift comes in and you're like, you're like, God, we had a busy night. And we only had one call. We had rope floats. They're like, oh, dude, I wish I would have been here. And I always tell people, like, if you were an accountant and you showed up for work in the morning, everybody's like, oh, how was your day, Bob? It was, you know, last night was fun. I got up at three in the morning and had rope floats. He would be like, well, that was really irresponsible. <laughs> but if you work in the fire service, other people are like, why wasn't I there? You should have called me. So, yeah, you uh, don't really, you, you don't really ever have to completely grow up. So. And oh. it's, what I've discovered is because of that, it's a collection of some of the smartest people that just don't have regular jobs. And so it, it's pretty cool because when, whether working in wildland or working in structural, like some of the people you work with and run into are just incredible people and could be doing a lot of other things, but they choose to do this job and it's amazing like how smart they are and how intellectually curious they are. But yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to grow up. So that's the best part.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I thought I was going to get you on that one, but boy, you had that oh, front yeah.
2: and center. That was awesome. Chanel uh, sent me the list. So, Oh, yeah. you know, to, you know. She's cheating. She's cheating. I Actually, not. I just came up with that one on the not. fly. So nice. that was, yeah.
1: uh, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> hey man, thanks so much for yeah. all your insight. Uh, this is great conversation. And, and hopefully those that were listening, um, they should be benefiting from this and and implementing some of the things that you you, uh, had talked about. Uh, And Janelle, this is all part of a special coverage, correct? Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, we've got um, our Mayday training series uh, coming up and it's, we've got a whole host of articles and videos. Obviously this podcast is a big part of it. It's sponsored by L3 Harris. We appreciate their support. Um, so please, yeah, check it out, firerescue1.com forward slash mayday hyphen training hyphen evolution. And that will be in the show notes.
1: Cool. Thanks, Andrew. Any uh, any parting uh, words of wisdom for uh, members of the fire service going forward um, about, you know, training or, or growing?
2: Or... I think the biggest thing, just try to do something every day and don't feel bad if it's not something major. You know, it's like you tell people, Aaron, you probably told them you know, about physical training, something, go do something, get out, touch something, pick up some piece of equipment, talk through a scenario. And, and the more times we do that, we're going to bond our crew together tighter. We're going to get better and better, you know, every day. So,
1: And that's, that's really what we're about. That's how this podcast got yeah. started. You know, we're about trying to improve every single day, every single shift. Uh, for those listening, you can email us at better every shift at fire one.com. Please rate and review the show. Um, If you're listening to this, remember, you can watch us on video at uh, YouTube or on firerescue1.com. And and to just reiterate what what Andy has said and and almost every guest that we've had, uh, it's the most important thing is to learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.